when the replay official did not stop I, the game. I'm not going to comment on that. I'll get fined for the rest of my life if I get commented on that. We had a great belief in our locker room. We didn't have to do anything special, just be us. I was so proud of this team. We had so much fun, it ought to be illegal. Coach Carousel talk, is that something you just ignore? Yeah, yeah, you, you ignore because one week you're getting fired and the next week you're going to take another job and I'm worried about the darn SEC West Championship. And so, yes, to answer your question. I'm the man to go get it done with this staff, with this team, with this program. There's not anybody left standing after 2015. All right, I am. And I know what it takes. You build in together, you fight together, and you go find a way to get it done. That's iron sharpening iron. That's the way this thing's got to work, man. we got to know and understand that it's got to be about competition. I'm going to tell you something. I want to go tell our story. I, I'm tired as hell of turning on ESPN and Sports Center and people getting to pick what the hell they want to say about us. we got a bunch of young guys that came here for a damn reason. I want to tell our story on national television. I'm tired of people talking about us. I want to go tell our story. That's why the hell we're all here. So we can tell our story. We're coming. We're coming. And we ain't backing down. Welcome in the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, buddy. How are you? <laughs> Bad day oh, for the ball, Shane. Bad, even worse day for your bets. How are oh, you still man. kicking here, Shane? Mm. I'm telling you what, man. I'm not as down on the volunteers this week yet. I wasn't expecting to win. If we did, that would have been an absolute miracle. I would have drove to Knoxville and helped tear down them goalposts. But that didn't happen. I knew it, but there was like little... Little glimmers of hope uh, for the future. So I'm I'm actually in a good place with Tennessee football right now. Mm, Now gambling, gambling, (laughs) totally different story. You know, Uh, I've I've done right. You know, when you get on my bookie, they give you all that extra money when you make your first deposit. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, now I'm starting to get into my funds. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's start right there, Shane, because you had your devil lock of the week on Auburn. They were favorites on the road, but the Gators, Shane, surprised both of us 24-13. Florida Gators, we said, uh, you know, they deserve all the respect in the world if they got this one done. And this was, uh, you know, somewhat of a sloppy game. I don't want, let's not discredit Gators because they came out immediately with the touchdown to Freddie Swain. And that was right out of the gate. He toasted Auburn for a 64-yard touchdown. And you kind of had a feeling as soon as that play went down, Shane, that it may be the Gators' day. And it was, uh, you know, it wasn't all the offense. That's the part that, to me, was a little bit shaky at times was the offense. Obviously, Kyle Trask got hurt, had to leave, and kind of came back heroically. But to me, Shane, it was all about this defense. Forced Bo Nix into three interceptions and... Man, the Gators, the, the key to stopping Auburn, as much Bo, as much hype as Bo Nix gets, it's really the key is to stop that running game. And for all about a drive, they really stuffed the Tigers. Yeah, man. And this whole time, I've been pumping up this Auburn defense. And I'll tell you what, man, I think Florida's got the best defense in the country right now. And I'm saying that because they don't even have all their pieces yet. 
You know, you got Henderson. He's getting healthier. I don't think he was 100% during this game, but he was out there. And is it Zuniga? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say his name? Yep. You know, he was he was dressed out, but he didn't get to participate. So this defense is just going to keep getting bigger and stronger. And, uh, dude, they just they sh- just shut Auburn down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'm ready to say they have a better defense. They certainly had a better day, but – I mean, there's players like Derek Brown. I mean, he went damn beast mode for Auburn. He kept the Tigers in the game. What he had, yeah, that's true. He forced two, fum- two what was it, fumble recoveries. And, uh, I mean, one he almost scored on. He, he blew a flat tire after about a 40-yard run. Never seen him run that far in my life. But, <laughs> I mean, he had a good day. I think it had more to do with the fact that Auburn could get nothing on the ground. And, you know, they, well, was, they mean, forced Bo Nix into third and long often. And he just was – his worst day in college, 11 of 27 through the air, 145. That's not going to get it done when the, when Auburn only rushes for 124 yards on 34 carries. No, and, and you know, man, this is the thing. Of, maybe I shouldn't say best, most efficient. They were most efficient Saturday, and you saw it especially when it came down to third down. Mm-hmm. It's just like there was no push on third down. They, I mean, we're talking – we're not talking like third and eights and third and nines. We're talking like third and one. Mm-hmm. There was just no movement up front. And, you know, they're, they're starting to praise this offensive line of Auburn. You know, all these guys coming back. But, man, Florida just had their number. Mm-hmm. Auburn, like you mentioned, they're on third down. Shane, two of 14. That's abysmal. Golly. They were 0 for 1 on, first, on fourth down. Uh, but flip it over to the other side, the Gators, Shane, weren't much better. Four for 15 on third down. 0 for 2 on fourth down. And, of course, that crazy fourth down fake putt, I mean, that was a damn disaster. <laughs> that was about the only thing that went wrong for the Gators on Saturday. Of course, uh, Auburn turned around right around and turned that into a touchdown. That gave Auburn some momentum. Uh, but that was about, like I said, that was about it. And it was kind of sweet justice for LaMichael P. Ryan Shane, the Auburn player, or the Alabama native, who, according to him, Auburn didn't want him, said he was too slow. He sure as hell wasn't too slow on that 88-yard run that uh, mm-hmm. that finished the game for the Gators. Yeah, but I mean, credit. I mean, if you take that one play out, mm-hmm. Auburn really did make Florida one-dimensional as well. So, right. uh, and it, even when you're watching that replay, there was several opportunities they could have got him. And kudos to P. Ryan for uh, you know just doing his thing and and 88 yards. That ain't easy to do. So, but. Uh, Man, this was just a defensive game, and it's just whose quarterback was a little bit better, and and it felt like Trask was just that was just better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you you hit on it there, Shane. That was a good point to make because Michael P. Ryan did have that eighty eight yard run, but outside of that, the Gators had only forty four rushing yards on thirty three carries. So, I mean, that was basically the difference in this one. Outside of the turnovers by Bo Nix, the Gators had some turnovers too. Like I said, it was a little bit of a sloppy game, but it doesn't matter, Shane, because when you win by 11 over a previously unbeaten team, I mean, I think the Gators, they basically have the best win of the SEC season to the, to date now. now I, know it's a, yeah. I know it's a young season, but you, you really got to give the Gators credit for that. And let's jump over to Dan Mullen, Shane, on just how big of a win this one was for his Florida Gator program. And, uh, you know, if you missed it during the pregame, I mean, he was jacked up. He was getting the fans all riled <laughs> up. He was all he was all about it. Dan Mullen touched on that. And I also wanted to, you know, we got to give 
a ton of credit to that defense. Dan Mullen asked about his outstanding defense here and how Todd Grantham continues time and time again to have that unit ready to go. Ten straight wins, defending the Swamp, uh, top ten opponent. How big a win is this or can it be for the trajectory of the program? It's a big win tonight. Don't mean a whole lot by tomorrow morning, so we got to get on to LSU tomorrow morning. But, uh, you know, our, our guys, I think, uh, we're building. You know, we're building. I know what, I, I know what the Gator standard is, and, and I know what the expectations are here. And I, I, trust me, I'm, my expectations are higher, higher than that, than everybody in the Gator Nation. So, uh, you know, I mean, we want to play in these big games. We want to have top ten matchups in the Swamp. We want to play in these. We want to win these big games. And, uh, you know what, then you have to, to learn and you have to get that mindset. That you know what, winning a big time game like this means, you gotta show up tomorrow and get ready to win even a bigger one next week. And uh, that's that's what life's like in the, the SEC. Just just how pumped up were you for this game? I mean, in the tunnel, you were like going nuts. You yeah, know. you know what? I, I hey, I get into it. You know, I love the energy. I love the crowd. It, that excites me too. You know, so when you walk, when you open those doors and you walk out in the tunnel and you hear that deafening noise in the swamp, man, that gets you juice. That gets you excited. Uh, you know, I mean, I love it after the game, running around, high-fiving everybody, thanking everybody for being here. And that's what, that's what it's all about. That's, that's fun. I mean, that's an unbelievable adrenaline rush. Well, what does it say about guys just being ready for their moment, whether it was Emery, who looked very calm. I mean, Freddie Swain has been kind of in the background and had a monster game. Well, I, I think guys understand that, you know, believe in what we're doing as a team, you know, and just go out there, trust, trust it. You know, and when your number's called, I'm ready to go make a play. And if you buy into that, everyone's going to have great success. You know, I mean, look at the receiver position. I mean, those guys fight to be on special teams. They're like, hey, I want to make the play on special teams to win the game as much as I want to do at receiver. Uh, you know, I mean, P. Ryan, you know, kind of pounded away. Nothing great happened. Bang, game-winning touchdown. You know, really puts the game away on, on an 88-yard touchdown. Um, I, I think you look at all the, the guys defensively. Guys are ready to go. Give me my opportunity. I'm ready to go play. Let me run down and make a tackle on kickoff. I'm ready to play. They put me in to kick the ball. I'm ready to play. Um, I, it's just great mental toughness by the guys on the team. Dan, you are obviously complimentary of your defense in your opening statement. What stood out to you the most about it? Uh, to me, really, the you know, 11 guys running the ball as hard as we can. I thought we did a, a much uh, – we've, we've obviously – improved on our tackling from the beginning of the season a whole bunch. Uh, the other thing I thought I thought we did a really good job really was being physical at the line of scrimmage. You know, I mean, everyone coming in the game said, boy, you know, Auburn's going to dominate both lines of scrimmage. And, uh, boy, their great players made some dominating plays. But, I mean, it's hard to look at the stat line and say that Auburn dominated the line of scrimmage tonight. And, you know, I'm really proud, you know, of our defense, especially on the, you know, with our defensive line, held them to 124 yards rushing. But, uh, you know, I think those are the things that really stood out. And I think it was great to have, obviously, you know, I mean, like I said, first game we played, Marco and CJ, since I've been here, played together. And I think that's a pretty dynamic combination. You know, they had the one long pass. But I said, I'm, I got to get with Todd. I don't, I, obviously, obviously we made a mistake. I know there was a lot going on and we're doing this, that, talking other things, move on. And then, we, you know, so I, I will get the answer. I'll, I'll, Ask him, I'm sure. Like it, that wasn't planned that way. And uh, but the rest of the night we did a great job on the back end as well. All right, Shane. So I thought it was interesting. You know, Dan Mullen, he likes to talk talk up a big game. I was a little bit surprised he didn't hype this one up a little bit more, but I kinda understand because they got a big trip to LSU next week, so they don't wanna you know, they don't wanna have a damn parade just by beating Auburn, but 
this was a great win, and he put it on his defense because they carried home the day. Uh, thoughts on what this does for Florida now 6-0 and on the season? The main thing here, Mike, is you just can't take your foot off the gas. And I think that's what Dan's afraid of is, you know, feeling like you're at the top of the mountain because you're not. Auburn is great. Auburn's a lot better than we thought they were. But this is still not the best team that they're going to play this year. You know what I'm saying? You got LSU right around the corner. You got Georgia on the schedule. I mean, the the road doesn't get easier, and they can't feel they can't get complacent because if they do, they're going to get the brakes beat off of them. You know, so they got to be prepared every week because the opponents are going to keep coming at them. Mm-hmm. Well. The good news for Auburn, if you want to call it that, they've got two weeks to get things shored up before they have to go to Arkansas. they got a a couple road games lined up here in a row. Uh, Let's jump over to Gus Malzahn after this one. And, uh, you know, because I thought, yes, Auburn lost this game and at times looked a little lost on offense, I guess you want to call it. But I thought there were plays there to be had. You know, I really called this, I thought this game was over. We mentioned the P. Ryan run, but it was really over when Auburn, uh, their best drive of the day, they went the length of the field, they got down into the red zone, and there was a touchdown to be had. Bo Nix missed it, poorly, bad throw. And then the next play, he turns around and throws a really bad interception. You got to come away with at least three there. You cannot turn the ball over. Uh, So Gus Malzahn was asked about that red zone trip. And on uh, Anthony Schwartz, he was basically a non-factor in this game, which was a complete surprise. He had one carry for negative four yards. And then Auburn also charged, you know, they came into this game as one of the the SEC's best on uh, fewest penalties. They had nine for 70 yards on this one. So uh, here's Gus on all that. When you guys go on that 80-yard drive, Nick Smith misses the slant on, I think it was an RPO. And then, of course, the interception. Take me through those two plays. What was supposed to happen? Yeah, yeah. We uh, the, the big play. Uh, they had a blitz, and, and we uh, we hit him over the top. And Seth made a good catch. He kind of stumbled. He was open. Stumbled right there. And then we went pace. We ran counter tray. I think we threw a spot. Got a couple yards. We went split zone with a lightning motion. Went cover three. Had a chance for an RPO. We just didn't. We just didn't get it done. And, and then we had a, a real good play about the ten yard line. A play that we really like. And, and uh, the crowd got us, I guess. I mean, we got a five-yard motion penalty, which is very uncharacteristic. Because at that time, to be honest with you, it wasn't as loud as I had been because uh, we had a little momentum right there. And then we got backed up, I guess, the 15-yard line, and we had the play. And, you know, uh, we just kind of underthrew it just a little bit. The kid made a good play. But like I said, I mean, the, the bottom line is, 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 is our, our quarterback, he's a freshman quarterback. He's learning as he goes against a good defense. But he's led us to 5-1. and one. And, uh, you know, so he, he's going to bounce back. Like I said, I got to do a better job putting him in better position to, you know, as far as everything goes with that. How much different? Why was uh, Anthony Schwartz not utilized today? Well, uh, he was on the field about half the time. I mean, we, you know, there was a couple of times we tried to get him the ball. They did a good job on the speed sweep. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's a dynamic playmaker. We got to figure out ways to get him the ball more. And uh, that'll be something off week that we'll talk about. You guys are in the bottom half of the country in penalties. You guys had nine more today, of course, with the crowd. Yeah. What are you going to do in bye week? Yeah, to fix that? we got to get it corrected. I mean, that's just undisciplined. We're not going to be able to have a chance to make a run at it unless we get our penalties corrected. And if you look back at our history, that's pretty uncharacteristic too. And so, like I said, this this will be a good week to, to look at our penalties, 
uh, look at the, the things that self-inflicted wounds we've been talking about and um, it'd be a good time just to, to reflect and get a good plan and uh, I need to come back after this off week and get us a victory and in the past we've had a pretty good track record of playing well after after off weeks and we need to do that same thing. All right, Shane, it sounded like they were having a damn victory parade right above his head there. This was uh, <laughs> inside the stadium, obviously. But, you know, this is going to happen in the SEC. This is why they, you know, the SEC is the best conference there is because day in challenges every week. And f Auburn just finally got caught here at, on the road at a very hungry Gator team. And uh, Auburn's got plenty of opportunities down the road. I mean, the, the last time they won the SEC, they lost, uh, what was it? They lost to Clemson, they lost to LSU, but then they caught fire at the end. So everything's still in front of Auburn. They're just kind of, their margin for error is basically gone now. But uh, I'm, I'm still not, uh, if I'm an Auburn fan, I'm not hitting the panic button over this performance, but they do have to get things cleaned up here in a hurry. Yeah, and, you know, Bo's a freshman, and it really showed Saturday. And kudos to the Swamp because they were out, dude. That was the loudest I think I've ever heard that stadium. You know, and I've watched a lot of Florida games. I've fell victim to many of those games as well. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, there's a clip floating around. Um, I sent it over to you earlier. I don't know if you want to include it. But Kirk Herbstreet and them were talking about the 12th man and talking about Texas A&M. Mm -hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe that environment – you know, isn't as dangerous as some of these other SEC teams, you know, because they, I, I don't, I don't think crowd noise was a factor for Bo when he was over there and they were able to get the crowd out of it, but that's something they just could not shake Saturday. And you could tell Bo was just off of his game. You had, you had a lot of dumb penalties out there all, all because of that crowd noise, man, them fans were, I mean, they were the 12th man Saturday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kudos to the Gators, man. They they really made the difference there. The fans, clearly Auburn, so many uh, pre-snap penalties. Bo Nix just off his game, offensive line off their game. Uh, th that was the difference in this one, I thought. Yeah, and I thought about the same thing about the Swartz. I kept saying, where's he at? But it was just like they did such a great job of protecting the those sweeps, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were really sideline to sideline. So I don't think if Swartz got more play, especially in the running game, that he would have been a factor. They should have created something for him, but they just they just couldn't get him off of him. All right, Shane, let's jump back to uh, the SEC East. We had a showdown here. Georgia goes on the road. And beats the Volunteers, Shane, 43-14. to 14. And that score sounds like an ass-whipping, but, you know, this was a, this was a hard-fought game that Georgia had to come back in. And if not for a late touchdown on the, like, strip sack, what have you, that uh, Georgia would not have covered. So that, that broke my damn back with, the, <laughs> with my lock of the week here. But, I mean, the biggest takeaway for this one, Shane, Georgia, another slow start, but then they really – went into their efficient mode. I mean, Jake Fromm was a – he was just a machine in this one. And then on the flip side, Shay Brian Maurer. A lot of people thought this move to Brian Maurer looked like a panic move, Shane, but my God, he was a huge spark, and he looked like the guy that could do some real damage here in Tennessee's offense. That's what I've been saying, Mike. You know, I, I, I've been giving Garantano a hard, pro, a hard time. I get that, but – you know, it just he wasn't able 
to do what Brian was able to do, and that's stretch the field. The kid's got a, a, a hell of a arm on him. Now, was Brian 100% efficient? Absolutely not. He is also a freshman. He is also playing what some people think is the number one team in the nation. And honestly, I think the best defense Georgia's had in a long time. So, But he was able to move the ball. And I think that's what's important because so many times in a Tennessee game, it's load the box, stay, you know, just have your cornerbacks just get up on the wide receivers, man on man coverage, because there's no way that we're going to throw the ball down the field 10, 15, 20 yards. We just weren't able to do that. And so it made it tough on the running game. Now, the running game did not succeed this week. I'll tell you that. That was probably the biggest disappointment was the fact that we were able to have some efficiency in the throwing game and not able to capitalize on, you know, less men in the box. But Mm -hmm. that's just something that we got to work toward as we move in the future. And um, I tell you, this this game got ugly there at half. Uh, there There was a moment it felt like we were seeing a referee every play. And, you know, that really that really took and there were some bad calls. I, I, I'm not one to jump on uh, officiating, you know, but damn, there was some both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. There could have been calls. There shouldn't have been calls. It was just I don't know. They, they got a little too involved in this game. They should have let them play out a little bit more. Uh, but there were some there was some really good things on both sides of the balls with uh, uh, Tennessee and Georgia in this game. Yeah, let's hit on Jake Fromm's stats here. Shea, 24 of 29. I mean, that's incredible for 288 and two touchdowns, no interceptions on the road. Neyland Stadium, I thought, was rocking, particularly when uh, Maurer came out and completed, what was it, a 73-yard pass to Callaway. That had uh, the Rocky Top just getting rowdy. Uh, but yeah. it did not phase Jake Fromm. He, you don't expect it to. But, yeah, I think at this point we just, like I said, it's just kind of standard I think Georgia fans surely they do appreciate it, but if they don't, you got you got to realize what you got, man. This this guy's like the damn Terminator. He's he's just <laughs> unfazed. You know what I mean? And Georgia, two hundred eighty-eight passing yards, like I said, two hundred thirty-eight rushing. That's about as efficient of an SEC game you're gonna get on the road. And all this. Well, I- I'm going to say this on Georgia's front. Okay, mm-hmm. kudos to them in the pass blocking because. You know, Fromm could have, I mean, he could have baked a cake back there sometimes. It just felt like it took that long mm-hmm. to get to him. There was no pressure. And Tennessee doesn't have the best defensive front. They're going They're going to have to get that figured out, especially with the running game, because there was a lot of times there was third and one, third and two, and they weren't able to get that push that, that you would expect when you're, you're, you know, here you've been saying the best offensive line in the nation – they weren't able to do that. Now you look at the box score. Yeah, they they had a lot of great runs, and and this you know second half wasn't a contest. But and again, we're nitpicking here. But Georgia's also got some tough teams on their schedule that you know they're going to have to. I don't know. Just work on that that short yarded situation. I just it felt like we would have seen more push in those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and maybe I'm just getting the. And, and maybe not get too complacent because there's going to be teams that can get pressure on Fromm. So we really haven't been able to see exactly what he is this year. Let me ask you this, Shane, because I heard some people kind of questioning Tennessee's decision there at the end of the first half to kind of go for it. 
Uh, but for anyone that didn't watch the game or has forgotten uh, to set the scene, the score was 20-14. to 14. Georgia was up. And Tennessee, I think they essentially would have had to gone, you know, the length of the field. But they had, they had some timeouts, and there was about two minutes left in the game. And they did not really move the ball much. And what happened was they ended up, you know, punting the ball to Georgia. When Georgia got the ball with a minute left, all three timeouts. And Georgia, thanks to Jake Fromm, efficient as always, just drove down the field, scored a touchdown right before half. That was basically the end of the game. It was the momentum swing. Uh, but do you, mm-hmm. do you have any problem with Tennessee not, you know, going in super conservative and just trying to get to the half down six? No, not one bit. Because to beat a team like Georgia, you have to be aggressive. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'm upset that our kicker missed the field goal. You know, they've been talking about how great he is all year. And mm-hmm. and granted, he has been automatic. But that missing that field goal gave them the opportunity to go up. You know, I mean, you got to remember, it was, what, 14, was it 14-12? Uh, um, it was 14-20. to 20. Well, before the before they scored, though, uh, on that kick, it would have put us up. No, no, no. Okay, you're right. Mm-hmm. That would have put us up. Uh, so we would have got 17-20. Then we would have had a kickoff. And then they, you know, because – Jake Fromm, man, when he had to run a two-minute offense, you know, he was able to do it in 45 seconds, you know. So that just shows you how efficient this offense can be once they get going. Mm -hmm. But on the flip side of the coin, like what you're asking, you have got to take advantage of every opportunity. Um, You know, I I have no problems with them trying to score. In fact, I was excited and happy that they were tempted, and they were able to move the ball. I mean, uh, you know, if they would have made some catches and – and honestly, the thing that upset me the most is you had to take advantage of every opportunity you had. And there was a lot of drop balls uh, Saturday. You know, yeah, they may have been a little five or a little seven-yard pass, but when the quarterback puts it on your hands, man, you've got to catch it in games like this. You've got to take advantage of every opportunity because it's the one opportunity that you miss turns into a punt, turns into a score, and next thing you know, you don't have the lead. So uh, there was little things like that. And film study, I think, will help out. And, hell, some of these guys aren't you know, used to catching the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, let's flip uh, over to Kirby Smartshade after this one. He was really excited. He knows there's uh, no such thing as an easy win on the road in the SEC. Uh, but he was pretty impressed by Brian Maurer. He, he touched on that. Uh, on Georgia's slow starts once again, I mean, they, they started pretty slow against Notre Dame as well. That's an issue. And then on his secondary, which had a rough start in the first half, but they really clamped down on him in the second half. What were your impressions of Tennessee's quarterback making his first start? How was the defense able to adjust in the second half? Well, I think, you know, he played really well. I thought that uh, Jim did a really nice job putting a plan together for a young quarterback. And Jim's had a lot of experience dealing with that. So uh, um, he's had young quarterbacks, it seems like, forever. But he did a nice job getting the ball out of his hands, uh, mixing things up. Uh, he's got a good receiving core. Their receiving core is extremely physical and big. And they got good yards after the catch to help the quarterback out. Um, but I thought we changed some things up at the half. We at least executed better. We didn't. You know, we had some self-inflicted wounds. David Marshall's penalty was huge because it gave him a first down and probably a touchdown on that drive. Um, and their missed field goal was huge because it helped us with momentum uh, there. That right at the end of the half is when we kind of started to bounce back. Two straight games where you've come from behind to win. What does it say about this team to be able to respond with adversity the way you have? It says we need to start better. Yes, it's kind of a concern. <laughs> 
I mean, I, I don't know that I'm concerned as much as you. When you start a game, you're going to get new plays and new screw-ups. I mean, we started pretty well offensively. You know, we just didn't start real well defensively. And uh, we started real well defensively last time and didn't start as well offensively. So we just have to put that together. And uh, our kids got to settle down and play. And again, like I said, they, they punched us in the face with the big play, and, and we responded. And that's what you're looking for in your team. You know, this first time some of our defensive players have taken that punch. No, I, don't, I mean, it worries me the tackling. That's what bothers me. When they throw and catch the ball with some of the things we're playing, they're going to throw and catch the ball because we're really aggressive. Um, but we got to tackle them when they catch it. We got to get them down. I think we got to force a, a turnover. We got to pick the ball off when they throw one to us and get an interception. There's a lot of things we got to do better in that perspective. But uh, we're, I mean, we're down, really down one player in the secondary, and we hope to get him back soon. But. At the end of the day, we got to do a better job of getting some balls defended and down. But we put a lot of pressure on our secondary, too. All right, Shane. So you know Kirby's going to be proud of his defense for making the, those adjustments. And like we said, you know, Brian Maurer, 14 of 28, 259 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. But almost all of that came in the first half. He, I like to call him uh, Brian Heismauer after that first half, but uh, he, I think he was 0 for 9 or something in the second half. They really, they really shut that down in the second half. Yeah, yeah, they really did. And I don't want to blame Brian because a lot of this was the offensive line just not able to give him time to make those decisions, you know. So, mm -hmm. but that's a young front. Um, you know, you, you saw Wanya; he got flagged for blocking somebody too long out of bounds, and you know, just. <laughs> And then here I was, I was about to tweet out a message about how impressed I was with him. I mean, this is a true freshman blocking uh, Georgia Bulldogs here. And and then uh, the guy goes past him and sacks the quarterback. So I was like, well, I'll delete that one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm still proud of him. And that's the thing. You see a lot of freshmen on this field. So that's what it takes, man. It just it takes great players to compete in games like this. And, I, and it's going to take time. Uh, Tennessee keeps hitting the reset button. And we're still, I, I like to think, year one into uh, Pruitt's system here. Well, speaking of Jeremy Pruitt, Shane, let's uh, jump over to him. He was asked, obviously, about Brian Maurer and on Jared Garantano, how he kind of took the news this week that he was not going to be starting. And Garantano actually got in the game a little bit because Maurer got banged up. Uh, here's what uh, Pruitt had to say about uh, his quarterbacks. Well, he stood in there and he made some throws down the field in the first half. Um, you know, he, he kind of went through his progressions. He kept his poise, uh, kept his eyes down the field, um, made some nice throws, you know, and it, and it enabled us to create some explosive plays. It softened them up a little bit so we could run the ball some. Um, you know, there's, prob there's probably, I don't know, eight to 15 plays in the game that he's going to learn from and learn a lot of lessons from, you know, that maybe they maybe we had opportunities somewhere else or – maybe work the wrong side of the field. Um, that, that's that's part of maturing, and it'll be interesting to see moving forward how much he learns from this game and, and makes adjustments, you know, because that's important to do. You can't make the same mistakes over and over. Uh, but I thought that's some of the things that he did. Well, he made some good throws early on. I mean, we had some chances there to put some more points on the board, but um, I, I thought he'd done well for a half. Uh, first half was much better than the second, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I could hear Jarrett hollering on the sideline, you know, watch a cat, watch this, watch that. I mean, you know, trying to help him. Jarrett's a team guy, okay? All right. Um, Jarrett's busted his tail. You know, I've said today that, that you know, he's had lots of really good practices. I, I kind of put it like a basketball shooter. If you kind of go cold, you kind of kind of recharge yourself, sit down, watch it a little bit, and come back out there. He comes in on one play, makes a great throw right over the middle, you know. So uh, Jared's a guy that will help us win football games down the road, I guarantee you that, okay, uh, by his attitude and his work ethic. Pruitt was in a weird mood after this one because I know his team looked a lot better, but they still lost by, you know, a large large margin here. Um, yeah. What do you make of his comments on his quarterbacks? Typical Pruitt. I mean, he's he. I, I think you're right. I think I think he is excited what he saw in the first half. Mm -hmm. But he's got to. I mean, this, there's high standards at this university. Even though we've been down for a little bit, you know, the 40, 40 point game should never happen. So, I think he's just trying to keep his feelings in check as well. But I, I think when you see the film, and if you ask anybody, anybody that watched this game. Tennessee looked better during this loss than they have in any of the games we played this year. I think you're you're right because that was just that spark that uh, Garantano just didn't have this year for whatever reason, and Maurer seems to have done it. But I think it was kind of wise here of Pruitt to not kind of, you know, he's not going to throw Garantano under the bus, but I think he knows that, uh, you know, everyone's excited about what they saw in the freshman, but who knows how consistent he's going to be or if he, or he's yeah. he's kind of a small guy too like is he going to be able to survive Alabama and, and all these teams that they've got coming up so i think he's got to make sure he keeps Garantano engaged cuz they they may need him kind of like he suggested yeah that's a good point and then uh one final thing here we'll move on from this game Shane but i just thought uh, Tennessee fans would appreciate Pruitt he was asked about Juwan Jennings, who we, we haven't hit on yet, but uh, my God, Shane, I mean, Georgia fans are going to be glad to see this guy leave. Seven catches, 114, and a touchdown. He was an animal in this game. He he basically could not be stopped for much of the game. And then uh, Pruitt was kind of asked about this being a, you know, if he takes any solace in, in essentially a moral victory here, and he was not having any of that. You know, Juwan really has not been healthy since we've been here. Okay, he's had two knee surgeries in the off season, uh, so he's not had a chance to practice a lot of ball when we've been out there going full speed. So, all I know about Jawan, you know, from a practice and from a um, from playing, is the guy's a competitor. All right, I mean, he he is an ultimate competitor. He is competes every day, all right, and the guy loves University of Tennessee. All right, and we need more guys like him. I'm trying to explain to, to some of the our number one goal is to win every game every game that we play that's our number one goal all right we don't walk out there and say i hope we play good tonight or i, I hope we play them good for the first half or this our goal is to find a way to win every game um and that's the bottom line uh and that will always be our goal uh, until we start doing that around here, um, you know, we're 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 not going to stop. We, that's what we got to be. That's got to be the expectations. Um, and and so, hey, our kids hurt. Okay, um, they put a lot into it. 
Um, but Georgia made more plays than we did. They they probably done a better job coaching than we did. It, it all goes into that, right? It all starts at the top and rolls down. So um, we'll go back, look the film, and see what we need to do to improve. All right, Shane. So I think this is what you want to hear. Pruitt's uh, pretty fired up to have a guys like Juwan Jennings on his team, but he knows he needs about 22 more of them before he can compete with a team <laughs> like Georgia. You know what? Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, I don't think these boys left anything on the field, though. You know, I, I really do think they gave everything they had. And, uh, you know, things got a little chippy there a couple times. But I really think that they were playing their heart out, you know. And not just Juwan Jennings. Even though Juwan Jennings is a dog, I get that, you know. But there was, you know, when you see, uh, I can't say his name, Toa Toa. Mm-hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah, I mean, he, I was, mean, this he kid, looked like an All-American. Yeah. Dude, a hundred miles an hour. Uh, you saw Brian, even though you know he wasn't as efficient in the second half. Man, he was staying in the pocket. He was still delivering dimes when he had the opportunity. So, uh, a lot of young kids out there uh, that Jawan Jennings has probably set an example for. And I just, I you you saw that with a lot of the players. So, uh, we're just not there talent wise. So I can't, I can't, I can't fall for that. And Georgia, you know, this may be something that Georgia needed, you know, uh, to come back from behind. You know, this is they've done it twice now. And, you know, Kirby made the joke, you know, that we need to start playing better sooner because there's going to be some teams on their schedule that they cannot play from behind. You know, that their their team's designed to to get a lead and just freaking pound it down their throat. That's what Georgia does, you know, and that's what they do really well. And I don't think Kirby wants to get in a shootout with Fromm, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump over to Oxford where Ole Miss, they beat the hell out of Vanderbilt here, 31-6. to And John Rice Plumley Shane, just continues to uh, basically amaze. <laughs> I mean, he had, <laughs> the, the Rebels had over 400 rushing yards in this one, 413 total on 44 carries. That's a 9.4-yard average. I mean, that's incredible for an SEC game, and it took about 30 seconds before this Plumley's busting out 54-yard run, and it was just, <laughs> I mean, it was just all damn dead. The Ole Miss defense really deserves some credit here as well, Shane. I mean, they shut Vanderbilt down for the most part. That was probably the biggest shock to me. I figured Ole Miss would be able to move the ball on Vanderbilt, but I didn't think they would shut him down. Keyshawn Vaughn only had 69 rushing yards. Uh, Riley Neal, 140 yards passing. How many Pickney have? What, another one catch, seven yard yeah. game. I mean, my God, Shane, uh, we got to give a ton of credit here to Matt Luke and his squad. Defense was legit, man. Defense was absolutely legit, and and you know, old Plumtree. I mean, he is a human highlight reel. I love watching him, but I, how long? How long can they keep this up? Because there was absolutely no passing in this game. It was all running. Mm-hmm. Granted, they didn't need to when they got the lead, you know, but there's going to come a point when they're not going to let the quarterback just run around there and do whatever he wants. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. They're going to force him to throw the ball, and are they going to be ready when that happens? So let me ask you this, because I do agree with you here, and then they're, they got Missouri next week. I do not know – well, we'll jump to Matt Luke here in just a moment here, but I don't know how healthy Matt Corral is. If he's healthy, I don't know. I think you got to stick with Plumlee or maybe play him both in some capacity to get some semblance of a passing game. But what do you do if both these quarterbacks are healthy? What's your game plan for Ole Miss? Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great question, Mike. And right now it's, it's going to be hard not to go with a hot hand. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think that take advantage of them – 
expecting the run and I because we don't know we don't know how efficient he can be he's got some weapons on the outside so uh maybe we see a I mean maybe Rich dials something up and, and gets the the passing game going with him a little bit yeah because I mean this Plumley is just so dynamic he seems like a perfect Rich Rod quarterback yeah he does and if I'm an Ole Miss fan he's giving me hope for I mean like I said it's not often you just insert a quarterback and he just wows you, but that's what he did against <laughs> Cal. That's what he did against Alabama, and now he's done it again. I mean, three times you, you cannot dismiss what he's doing. Uh, so let's jump over here to Matt Luke after this one, Shane, talking about John Rice Plumley and the confidence this win can have for Ole Miss moving forward with the Rebels uh, at 3-3 three and three on the season. Matt, what did you see this week to kind of go with John, all in on John Rice at quarterback? Uh, you know, just um, we, we thought he worked well. Matt is, still wasn't 100% healthy to be able to run the football. I think he could throw it if we needed him to. So hopefully he'll continue to get better and better, and we'll be able to use him some. You know, people have to prepare for both. So, Coach, um, you talk a lot about, you know, John Rice's, you know, performance on the ground. Talk, talk a little bit about, you know, how, how you felt he did through the air. Yeah, you know, I think we have to continue to improve on that and to take advantage of some one-on-ones. You saw that a big play uh, to Jaden Jackson in the fourth quarter, and take advantage of those one-on-ones. And I think well, he'll continue to improve. You know, again, we're not a finished product by any stretch. We have a lot to get better at, but we'll only you know continue to get better as they go. But I think as much as we're running the ball, to be able to take advantage of some one-on-one shots with our wideouts, we have some guys that are capable of winning some one-on-ones. I think we're going to need to do that moving forward. Pat, you talk about moving forward. What can a, a convincing conference win like this do for your team in terms of confidence moving forward? Well, I, you know, I think uh, it just uh, – I'm happy because they're getting some um, – they're, they're happy in the locker room. And to stand in front of a happy locker room after all the work they put in, they keep fighting and scratching and clawing, it's good to get some of uh, – to get that the, the feeling and the confidence going. And I think um, – it gives them some reassurance, hey, we're moving forward, we're getting better. Let's just let's keep putting the work in, and we're going to continue to get better moving forward. All right, Shane, so this was one where I think most people assumed Ole Miss would win, but I don't think anyone had it being this dominant of a performance. I don't know. Is it the Rebels going to get on a, on a bit of a roll here, you think? Uh, they're, I mean, they've got – the thing is, I love their defense, and I think that's going to be able to keep them in games. Now they've got that X factor over there, so you, it just feels like you can never count Ole Miss out now going forward. So, yeah, I think uh, I think they're in a really good spot. Like I said, I think they're going to be a, a bowl team at the end of the uh, – whoever won this game was going to be a bowl team, and I tell you what, man, there's no doubt in my mind that they're going bowling this year. Well, you kind of – Put it out there, Shane Vanderbilt now 1-4 on the season, unlikely to go to the postseason unless they go on a tear here, and it doesn't look like they're capable of that. Uh, we do not have a clip. I couldn't find it, but after the game, Derek Mason said he's drawn the line in the sand and changes will be made. I don't know <laughs> what in the hell that really means. Uh, maybe there's a coordinator change or something, but, man, I don't know. It's starting to look grim here for Derek Mason at Vanderbilt. Do you think his job's on the line here? Absolutely. And, and you know what? He kind of made this bed. If you remember when SEC Media Days came out and he was trying to pump us up on on his team, mm -hmm. got there a day early to talk to everybody, you know, he talked about this as some of the best offensive linemen he's ever had. 
He's talking about his defense is great. They didn't un- they didn't know the quarterback situation, but it was almost felt like it was irrelevant because of the weapons that he's got around him, you know. So he kind of pumped up his own team going into the season, and, and of course it do- it didn't help play in LSU. It didn't help play in Georgia. But here you got an Ole Miss team that you know you had an opportunity to beat. This is a team. This is like a coin toss game going into it, and it was no question. I mean, halfway through this thing, it was like Vanderbilt just had no answers, uh, especially on defense, which that's Mason's bread and butter, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a very disappointing performance here against Vanderbilt. and I, I just don't know where they go from here. Mm-mm. All right, Shane, a team that's played Vanderbilt, LSU defended the home turf, and, I mean, their defense finally showed up. They beat Utah State 42-6. to Joe Burrow, Shane, he continues his tear, 344 yards, five touchdowns. He did have a one interception, but that was on a tip. And man, Yeah, that wasn't his fault. Like I said, this defense really showed up. Utah State only had 19 rushing yards, 140 passing. Uh, they, they did not reach the end zone. A bunch of field goals. The quarterback, they forced him into three interceptions. And we know that, uh, you know, we know what we're getting from LSU's offense at this point, but... I thought uh, just the main takeaway for me was that I know it's Utah State, but I think the defense needed a performance like this to get itself going as they got a huge performance next week against Florida. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Coach O talked about this uh, going into the bye week that they've got to give this defense some time. And you saw it, man. These drives, they weren't typical LSU drives we've seen this year. They were long, sustaining drives. And, it's like, man, that defense is sitting on the sideline, just high-fiving, taking it easy. And then when they go out there, they got the job done, came off the field, and the offense is right back on it. So that is uh, that is what you need to find because it felt like they were having trouble with, you know, the speed of the game mm-hmm. and slow it. they were able to slow it down and give their defense rest, which they really needed. Yeah, I always like to point at these third-down numbers, Shane. It's one of the uh... – the, bit, the best indicators of how a team's played, LSU 11 for 17, so very good on third down. Utah State only 1 of 12, and that's exactly <laughs> what you're talking about because, you know, from what I heard all week about Utah State, they like to go fast. It was It's all about a like a no-huddle, hurry-up yeah. offense. But you're not getting those first downs. You cannot do that. That was the key to the game. And, uh, you know, I just, like I said, it is Utah State. They were 3-1 and one entering the game, though. Obviously, we don't know a ton about this team, but when you, <laughs> when you hold them to six points, I think that's impressive, and that's got to give LSU some confidence moving forward that the defense is at least heading in the right direction. And there was a lot of, a lot of talk on love, you know, NFL scouts looking at him and things like that. I, I don't think they're going to be looking as hard after this week, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's jump over to Coach O after this one, Shane, on – the fact that this Tigers corrected their tackling issues. They had a lot of missed tackles heading into this one. And then, like you said, controlling the clock and helping the defense, that was key. And then, obviously, at the he was also asked, how good is this LSU team? And he did not use this game as an indicator. He said, let's point to next week. We worked very hard on it, I promise you that. And uh, we, we looked at every missed tackle. Like I said, 18 missed tackles for 148 yards. The last time we evaluated every missed tackle, why we were missed tackle, we went back and looked at our drills. Is this drill working? Is that drill working? Where's our footwork? Where's our angle? And we worked constantly on tackling for the last two weeks. 
a lot of confidence, man. There was a lot of confidence going on with them Tigers today on that field. You know, the tackling, there wasn't a lot of missed tackles. There was a lot of stops. There was a lot of third down stops. There was a lot of pass rush. And uh, just looking like at LSU defense, guys were flying around making plays. Rest. You know, they didn't have to go right back in, especially when we made some big plays. You know, we made some big plays, a pick, or we went on a three and out, and shoot, man, our guys were on the sideline resting, and our guys could have to make adjustments. They could get some water. I don't think we had anybody cramp up today. I don't think anybody went down because of cramps. We didn't have to give any IVs at halftime. So I think the clock management really helped us. We're, we're fixing to find out. You know, we're fixing to find out. I, I feel like we have a very good football team. I felt like we had a good team last year. Nobody knew about us last year. We're, we're the underdogs, and we're always fighting. Now everybody kind of is kind of coming after us. But, you know, Florida's going to be a big challenge for us, but it's games that we love to play. All right, Shane, old Coach O's ready for them Gators. <laughs> they almost cost him this job when he was the interim. And yeah. this is one of the most heated rivalries in the SEC. Uh, how much faith, if you're an LSU fan, do you have – you know, with this performance, does it does it give you going into this Florida game in Death Valley? Yeah, I think it gives you a little bit more just because, like I said, the defense, when offense was able to slow down that tempo, the defense was, was able to perform better. They were more efficient, you know. And, and when you have six, seven, eight-minute long drives, you know, and you look over there and Fidoku's playing Uno, you know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> these guys are rested and ready. However, that being said, this isn't Utah State, man. This is the Florida Gators, and I tell you what, as as much shit as I've given Dan, this this team looks better. Their defense is great. That's fantastic defense. So I, I think that they're going to have a little bit harder time, obviously, doing these long sustaining drives, and they may have to go to an up tempo just to move the ball. So um, I, I can't. I don't think you, it's fair to compare this week and next week because it's just a different animal. All right, Shane, well, we'll get to that game all week, but let's jump to the last game we're going to hit on here. Missouri beat the hell out of Troy 42-10, to and believe it or not, Troy scored the first touchdown of this game, jumped out to a 7-0 to lead, and then Missouri ripped off 42 unanswered points. But the big story, right before halftime, Shane Kelly Bryant took a cheap shot to the knee. Oh, man. And he... I don't know. It doesn't sound good, Shane. I mean, he walked off on his own. He walked off pretty slowly there, but uh, he did not. And he, this was before the halftime break. He went to the locker room. He did not return, and there's been no update. They've they've announced their – they came out Sunday and said, we will not be sending out any updates, which is very odd because this is a home game. So, it's, so it sounds to me like, you know, you'd think he Kelly Bryant would be evaluated that day – they're probably see it, you know, sending him to specialist. So I'm not. I don't want to speculate to say he's out for the year or anything. But man, he was really coming on. He was 12 of 19, 221 passing yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Had a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, they really took care of business here. But the biggest, you know, lingering question mark here, probably in the entire SEC, because Missouri is playing about as well as anyone at the moment. The status of Kelly Bryant, we don't have an update, Shane, but. Uh, just a devastating loss if he is out for a significant period of time here as, as Missouri is about to go back into SEC play. Dude, this is one of the worst hits I've ever seen. I mean, this guy deserves jail time after this damn hit. I mean, he was just aiming 
at his knee. I mean, that was the only purpose. Kelly already had the ball out. He saw it, and and, and he got flagged for it. Yeah, he got 15 yards, but, man, Kelly could have lost – I mean, he could lose his career over this damn injury. So there's just no, no place for this in football. And uh, I just wish there was – like when you have blatant hits like this, like if you were in the NFL, they could find the heck out of you. They could suspend you. But you don't have that in college football, and that's a shame because all the – I mean, every angle you saw, this kid purposely did this. Mm-hmm. And the backup, Taylor Powell, he came in for the entire second half, and they didn't score a point, so – you know, and they were they were in somewhat of a conservative mode here. He was six of eight for fifty-seven, but you got to figure the offense is going to take a big step back without Kelly Bryant. But it wouldn't be complete disaster if if Kelly Bryant was only out maybe a week or two because this damn defense Shane is playing so well. Check out some mm-hmm. of these stats here: Missouri scoring defense, they're number tenth in the entire huh. nation. Total defense, number two. Passing defense, number two. Uh, passing efficiency defense, number two. I mean, they're killing it. Kale Garrett had two interceptions in this, the linebacker. Uh, he's had two pick six, including one in this game. I mean, that guy's a that guy's a freaking <laughs> animal. He's also the one that recovered the touchdown, the Halinski double toss play. So uh, this Missouri defense finally under Barry Odom is playing like you'd expect from uh, one of the nation's best defensive coordinators when he took over in Columbia. I swear, if Kale keeps this up, Odom's going to have him running routes before you know it. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like every time, you know, he had that one pick. He should have scored a touchdown on that one. So mm-hmm. the kid has got – I mean, I, I love – I mean, this kid has just got a motor on him. He just loves football, dude. And I, I'm just a huge fan of Kale. And uh, this, when you see plays like this, man, it just makes you feel good inside. It's like, you know what? He deserves that interception. <laughs> so he did. He did awesome, man. This defense is legit, like you said. Uh, but, you know, Kelly's important because zero points were scored after Kelly left. And, and they're going to need him in these, some of these games in the SEC for sure. All right, Shane, so that's all the wrap-up we have for week six. It was kind of, uh, I don't want to say a dull, there was plenty of action, but we only had five games because so many was on a, so many teams in the SEC were on a bye. Uh, but you ready to guess some week seven lines, Shane? Yes, sir, let's do it. All right, Shane, we got a nice slate of games here coming up on Saturday. We got a bunch of conference games. Uh, let's start right here. Let's do uh, the only non-conference game. Let's get that one out of the way first. UNLV at Vanderbilt. What did you predict that opening line to be? Vanderbilt minus six. Ooh, you win this one, Shane. I thought Vanderbilt would be favored by two. And I don't know if you're going to believe this, Shane, but old Vanderbilt, Derek Mason squad, favored by 17 points over UNLV. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't know if you're a gambling man, Mike, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid to put that mojo on it because Bandy will score 50. So uh, I don't know. I This one here, uh, we've only seen little bits and pieces of UNLV. I've not been impressed. Uh, granted, Vanderbilt's at home, but just equally unimpressed right now. So I'm, I'm kind of surprised that the spread is that wide. Yeah, I was I was shocked at that one. Can they score 17? I don't know, you know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, getting into the SEC action. South Carolina at Georgia. Nice SEC East battle, Shane. What did you predict this line at? 
Uh, this one here, I have Georgia minus 19. Ooh, well, Shane, I got a, I got this one because I predicted Georgia favored by 24, and that's exactly what it is, 24 points. I don't think that's a that's that big of a surprise, but keep in mind the Gamecocks, Shane, two weeks to prepare for this game. We already know Halinski, he's got some talent, and he's had two, he's had an extra week to rest up that elbow, Shane. This might be an interesting one here. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, Shane, how about your boys here? Mississippi State at Tennessee. What did you predict the line to be here? I gave Mississippi State the edge, but barely, minus two and a half. Ooh, we were thinking the same, Shane. You win this one. I said two for Mississippi State, and it opened at Mississippi State, favored by six and a half. That was that was pretty surprising hmm. to me, so nearly a touchdown. Uh, thoughts on the Bulldogs being that big of a favorite in Neyland Stadium? Kind of a surprise coming off this game. I, I felt, like I said, with Tennessee, they showed improvement. Mississippi State, you know, was a little disappointing on their last performance, you know. So, um, and it was against an Auburn team that just got beat by four. I don't know. I, I, you could play that game all you want. I just thought it would be closer. Mm-hmm. And keep this in mind, Shane. Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State's only won one SEC game on the road. That was last year's Egg Bowl, the, the Egg Brawl. And uh, <laughs> he's his average margin of defeat in those games that he's lost, 24 points. So, Mississippi State's not been that good on the road in conference play under Joe Moorhead. Something to keep in mind all week. All right, Shane, Arkansas at Kentucky. Both teams coming off a bye. What did you predict that line to be? Ooh, buddy, I had this one set up as a pick Ooh, well, I had Kentucky favored by five. And I get this one, Shane, because it opened Kentucky six and a half points. It. It looks like Vegas is thinking uh, with this extra week off that uh, Kentucky will rebound nicely. Thoughts on uh, Kentucky being nearly a touchdown favorite over the Razorbacks? Um, I don't want to say crazy surprise, but, you know, maybe the bye week, maybe that is a factor. They've had two weeks to prepare for this thing. It just feels like Arkansas is another team also moving in the right direction. Gave A&M a fit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kentucky is – hasn't really done much of anything since the Florida game, honestly. So I, I, I am kind of surprised the spread's this high because I do think it sh- is – this is one that I think is going to move a little bit closer as a, as the week goes on. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, how about this one? Ole Miss at Missouri, and I wasn't sure if they'd even come out with a line because of the unknown status of Kelly Bryant, but they did come out with one. Well, what was your pick here? Well, see, that's that's the thing. I, I was banking on – him not playing mm-hmm. so uh i've got minus seven and a half what do you got well you win this one Shane. Uh, missouri missouri yeah you win this one because i thought missouri would be favored by two touchdowns and i guess i was kind of assuming that kelly bryant would be okay you know as time goes on it, i may i hope i'm just reading too much into this but it, it, it doesn't necessarily sound like it is good uh, but the line opened missouri favored by seven and a half so you almost nailed this one. Oh, I did nail that one. <laughs> Minus seven and a half. Wait, so or, let me ask no, I'm you. I'm sorry, eight and a half. Oh, okay. I didn't nail that one. <laughs> 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 hey, well, if you find out, let me ask you this. Let's, let's just play devil's advocate here. If Kelly is good to go mm-hmm. and everything's fine, do you, how much do you change his spread? 
Like I said, I I th- I think it's two touchdowns if he's in there. Okay, so if you for sure know he's not though, mm-hmm. would you would you have picked lower? Would you even maybe a little closer to Ole Miss there? Yeah, I think so. Without Kelly Bryant, just based on what I know about this Taylor Powell, not saying he's bad or anything, but he's just no. It's the drop off is big from Kelly Bryant. I'd say closer to four points for me in, okay. in favor All of Missouri. Right, all right, Shay, we got two left here, two SEC showdowns, Alabama at Texas A&M. What are you predicted line for that one? Alabama minus 10 and a half. Ooh, well, I'm going to get this one, Shane. I guessed Alabama favored by 20, and it opened at Alabama 18-point favorite. I don't, there's just kind of like you said, Shay, no respect for the, <laughs> for the Aggies in College Station these days. Yeah, maybe, because I did send this to you, and then I saw a clip, and I was like, you know what? That's right. When was the last game? Big game. I mean, other th- I remember the Tennessee game. That was a big one, but uh-huh. uh, th- just like just pure upsets, they just they haven't had them down there. No, they really haven't. All right, Shane, last game on the docket, Florida at LSU. What was your predicted line here? LSU minus four. Ooh, well, I got this one too, Shane, but I was very surprised by this one. I said – LSU favored by six and a half. Thought it would be right around a touchdown. It opened at LSU favored by 13. Golly. And it already jumped up to 15 from what I saw. So I don't know where they're getting that. I think uh, I think we've seen enough from Florida to say they can play with LSU. I'm not saying that they're, you know, Florida's guaranteed to win or anything, but. That's not Death Valley. I guess you got to, you got to have that as a factor. Yeah, I don't know. I just it's hard for me to imagine this Florida team from what we just saw getting blown out on the road. Yeah, maybe I should put some some money on this one, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Florida fans are begging you not to, my friend. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, Shane. So uh, I, that's all so I got on this does, one. You got anything? Does my my bookie give you a discount on your second deposit? <laughs> Not that I'm aware of, Shane. You might be out of luck on that one. Maybe we can work something out since they're a sponsor here. But, uh, you know, for anyone else out there, definitely take advantage of that offer at MyBookie with uh, the promo code THATSEC. Don't forget to use that one. But uh, that's all the uh, stuff I got this week, Shane. Or <laughs> That's all I got on this one, Shane. You got anything before we hop off here? Uh, well, I will say this. Out of all of the parent cams I saw this weekend, Damn, Swift's dad is a freaking beast, man. Has he got any eligibility left? Oh, man, I'll tell you, that kid, that, that man, man, uh, he is the biggest is the biggest dad I've ever seen on one of these cams, you know? Yeah, that one, uh, that one I, I appreciate them showing because that was like a damn modern Marvel, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. They showed Brian's mom, and she's like hugging every guy over there. I'd be like, Mom, come on, dude. I'm like on, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then he's just sitting over there just doing curls, you know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, no, that's that's all I got, Mike. I appreciate everybody hanging out with us. Um, um, I hope you faded my picks this weekend because – you're loaded today. <laughs> so 
but we got a good week, man. We got some great games coming up. Uh, I'm excited to do a deeper dive into those. And uh, we got a lot of ratings and reviews that we're going to get to as well later this week. So if you don't mind, get you an iPhone if you got one. And uh, Five Star Heart really does help us out. And we'll be, we'll be sure to read those uh, online here. Yes, sir. That'll do it, Shane. Thanks for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Go Vols. Give me a rock and I was ready to roll On to California with the gun and joke